Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. With soaring nitrogen prices, farmers are looking at cheaper alternatives inside the farm gate. Dairy farmer Jim White and grassland researcher Mike Egan join us to explain how to establish white clover on the grazing platform. And I first asked Jim about his experience of oversowing white clover last spring. Last year was our first year um, doing oversowing of clover, and um, look, we made the decision to get to, to get going at this. And I think that's the first thing. Like you know, you don't make up your mind the day you're going going to go about it. It, it. There must be a plan in place and research of what are the right the right protocol to follow. So I think. Being prepared in well in advance is is key, and then you know get your fertility status at the fields, and the fields you're going to pick is the next thing. Then, so um, we had a block that was um, really suitable for clover. Um, it had been receded two years previously. Um, all the weeds were sorted in it. We knew the fertility status, and um, so everything was planned the year before and. God, this time last year, like it was COVID and everything. So, you know, getting the seed and Mike wasn't able to call maybe before it. And so there was a little bit of a challenge there, but we might have been slightly late putting it in. But I think we got back well in the game after that. So, yeah, I think the plan beforehand is the key, Emma Louise. And in terms of the method you use, Jim? Yes. OK, look, there's there's various options there. And uh, while I would say it's important to the, the, the method you choose and that you know you're asking me that so we we use the the moor drill but like I couldn't emphasize enough um the preparation beforehand in picking the field and having all your information at hand and the management afterwards they're the big they're the two big um items uh we use the moor drill and um that worked well for us um the contractor came in and done it for us yeah we use chieftain, chieftain and buddy at um, two kilos, at a seeding rate of two kilos. And you mentioned that you might have been slightly late going in last year. What date did you go in at? And I guess if you had it back again, you know, ideally, how much earlier would you have went? Look, as I said, last April, um, we were, you know, every, everything was delayed. I think I had to go down to Moorpark, get the seed and everything, get the, you know, it was... COVID kind of tricky did a little bit and then the weather I think whatever but it was into May it was I think it was the 8th of May or the 10th of May and look it was slightly dry but there was a learning process in it that you know that um, you know we, we were slightly late going I think but with with um, with strong management afterwards and having everything right beforehand we got we got the result that was that we wanted um, but I suppose a lesson from last year would be that um, April is preferably, you know, and we're going with April this year. Um, but um, yeah, I still think, you know, if you're, you know, I suppose what I'm trying to say, Emma Louise, is if you have all your protocols right in place, um, you know, it will work out. That's what we found. And post management, Jim, what were the key things that you implemented after you oversold with Clover to make it work? OK, so we we saw that our field was floored. And I mean now less than what I'm already doing. It was and it was open. 
because it was a reseed and there wasn't weeds in it. So it was slightly dry, I would say, slightly dry. So we, but everything else was perfect, if you follow me. Okay, so we, um, conditions were were good and we, we sowed and um, then we followed on. We came back in, then we came back, we went in with... Um, Two, 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 two to two and a half thousand gallons of watery slurry done with uh, splash plate because we felt that was the, the best way of, of, of doing it. And uh, that added a bit of moisture to it. And um, we came back in then and grazed it at about a thousand, eleven hundred. It was in a block together and we just took out that block. Maybe I think it was maybe three, two, three weeks later, um, there was a cover on it and we um, we we didn't go too heavy with fertilizer. We gave it so much, like uh, we didn't cut back to nothing for the first year. But the key thing was we we hammered it. I suppose you would say at every occasion on graze would be our plan was our grazing management for the year ahead. And to you, Mike, um, you know we hear from Jim that it was into May when he oversold. Um, in 2021 and he intends on going in April this year. What is the window that would be recommended for farmers to go with oversowing? Look, there's probably a, a two-month window in terms of when you can, the best time to get clover established on farms be by oversowing, and that's probably April and May. Um, and I know the weather has been very good the last couple of weeks and, and some farmers were tempted to go, but the risk is like we're getting this week ground frost. So you, you want to leave it, late enough in the spring that you kind of reduce the risk of getting ground frost and that is greatly reduced in early May, in early April but you also want to do it early enough that you can get adequate moisture so there's kind of a two-month window April and May and I would say drier farms like Jim's and more sandier low clear content soils probably are better off doing it in in April before rather than into kind of middle or late May because of the soil moisture deficit issue that you can reach so the one thing that clover needs or three things that clover needs when you're over when you're establishing it and definitely when you're oversowing it is nutrients and that's your soil fertility and your fertilizer um moisture uh, that's timing crucially down to timing and if, if you're going to and it needs six weeks moisture from date of sowing to once it's kind of been been okay so if you're going to get typically get very dry in end of may uh, you really need to be sown middle early to middle of of april or if you're on a heavier farm that doesn't burn out until June or July, you can probably get away with sowing it into middle or late May. So it's kind of a two-month window, but it depends on soil types within that two-month window um, to do it. So I would say kind of the earlier, the better, without running into risks of ground frost as well. Jim mentioned he used the more drill to establish the clover. Can you talk and highlight the main methods that farmers are using in order to establish clover through oversowing? Yeah, look, there's, there's various different methods that you can use for oversowing. And look, as part of the on-farm study that Jim is one of our farmers that we have on the on-farm study, but th- there are various different methods that we have used and will continue to use in, in going forward. And the, the most common question I get asked is, what's the best method or what machine can I use? Or can I use this machine or can I use that machine? Machines are probably the are very important in terms of getting it out, but they're probably not the main critical factor in getting established. But having said that, there is you need to ensure that whatever machine you're using, you need to get it right. So there's probably three different types of machines and then broadcasting as well on top of that. So broadcasting, you're going with a fertilizer spreader or a slug pellet applicator or a quad spinner, um, and you're going immediately after grazing. Typically, if you're going with a fertilizer spreader, um, clover seed is very, very small. So the first thing I would say is you want to do a small area at a time. 
um, and not travel great distances with it. So you're more so putting it in the in mixing it in the in the fertilizer spreader with the in the field uh, with some sort of compound fertilizer or 730 or even grand lime um, to help the, the clover seed travel. Um, the second thing then is if you are going doing it with a, a broadcasting, there's most of the um most of the new fertilizer spreaders are throwing a 12, 24 meter tram line, which clover seed is very, very small and it won't travel that. So the older fertilizer spreaders are the quad applicators are probably a better job for that. But the key thing is making sure that seed gets to touch the soil uh, and not doing it on a very windy day. Uh, second, the types of machines then, you can have a, a tine harrow type machine, uh, like an Einbach or a Rakeman. Then you have a Guttler type machine, or you have a, a Moore drill or a Uni drill or Atkinson drill like Jim used. Again, all of pros and cons. Uh, Atkinson drill or the Moore Uni drill, uh, it cuts a slit into the ground uh, and, and buries the seed, which are your, in your guaranteed soil seed contact, but the risk is burying the seed too deep. Um, so the setting needs to be correct on that so the seed isn't buried too deep and it won't be able to push up through the ground. Then you have your Guttler kind of machines, kind of, that's kind of a hard tine harrow setting on the back of it. it, has a Cambridge roller, or sorry, a hard tine harrow set on the front and then a Cambridge roller on the back after the seed. Uh, again, very, very good, but can be quite severe on the grass if the settings aren't right again in terms of adjusting the tine harrows on the front. And then you have your tine harrow ones like your, your Wakeman or your Einbach. Um, very simple to use. Uh, no roller on the back of it has a set of tines and then broadcast the seed onto the ground. There are the different types of machines that you can use, but again, I, I would be more concerned with the, picking the right paddocks and the management afterwards uh, is probably a better uh, target of your main focus rather than the machine to use. And then, Mike, in terms of the variety, uh, you know, uh, referring back to Jim again, you know, he's using Buddy and Chieftain. But I mean, let's break it up. We have small, medium and large leaf white clovers. What yeah. should dairy farmers be using for grazing ground? Yeah, look, realistically, you're probably I think all grazing farmers should keep away from larger leaf cultivars, your Arvoca, our Flower Blanca, Alice, those kind of ones. Um, medium leaf cultivars are very well suited for dairy farming systems and, and cattle grazing systems in general. So your your chieftains, your Herls, your buddies, your Ionas, um, Crusader, um, all very, very good ones. And there's a new one on the list as well. I think it's Aberswan this year. Um, so they're probably the medium leaves. Smaller leaf cultivars are more suited to sheep grazing systems, but even within the small leaf cultivars, there's probably two cultivars there now that they're, they're the, the biggest of the small um cool fin has been there for a number of years and a new one came out on the on the market this year i'm not 100 sure of the name of it but again i would probably stick to your more medium leaf cultivars and probably your the largest of the small cultivars and and finally then mike you know jim has a recommendation that you know you're targeting to get into swords at 1100 um you know in terms of post so management i suppose what is the rationale for that and have you any further tips for farmers in terms of management post so the reason we want to go for those light pre-grazing covers for the first three to four grazing rotations is that seed has to germinate and persist and established against a rapidly growing ryegrass plant that could be growing 60, 70 or plus uh, a day. So by keeping pre-grazing covers low, I would say the first grazing should be at 800 of a cover and the following three grazings then at 1,000 or 1,100 of a cover, give or take 50. Um, and again, that's just let light down to the basis ward. If it doesn't get light down to the basis ward, that seedling is not going to be able to develop a strong enough root structure because there's no light getting down into it. And then 
six months after sowing, the plant structure will actually won't be there in the ground to help that plant persist then coming into the winter months. And that is low pre-grazing covers, uh, tight grazing residuals, and grazing it later on in the final rotation in, 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 in autumn and winter. So it has a low cover in it over the winter period. But Mike, isn't it um, like, you know, for, for dairy farmers, there's so much going on. Yeah. Um, come meet me, right? We, we, for, for, for as long as we can remember, we all know for an f- absolute fact, whatever way growth is, grass is going to head out the 15th yeah. of May, 19th yeah. of May. So a farm, you know, for a dairy farmer, it's, it's the challenge I think with the clover is the management of clover is coming at a very critical, busy time on dairy farms. Um, you're trying to manage your, you know, what feels for silage, what not for silage. You're in the middle of AI breeding. Um, you're trying to keep the, the grass covers right. And then you have the other block of clover that has to be probably walked every four or five days. You can't go away from it because it could go from 500 today to 1,000 in three, yeah. four days because you're dealing with high fertility paddocks, um, probably reseeded maybe only two, three years ago. So, you know, it. It's not, you know, we can say it easy on a record here today. Oh, completely, yeah. It's not simple, Mike, isn't that? No, like- it's not simple. And and I think one of the one of the key things with when you're picking your paddocks as well, and look, we did it on your farm last year, Jim, and we're doing it on most of the farms as well. There's no point in picking, if you're doing five or six paddocks or even two or three paddocks on your farm, having them opposite ends of the farm, Um because it's going to be too hard to manage them and preferably to manage them, particularly if they've been sown in, in within a couple of days of each other. So doing a, a cluster of paddocks that's close proximity to each other, they're easier managed together. Um, and by doing a small enough area, because there's so much going on on farms at that time of the year, there's no point in doing a very big area of your farm, particularly on over sowing, because it needs such preferential management for the first couple of months after sowing. So doing a small enough area, I would say 15, max 20% of your grazing area, um in one go um or in one year sorry um and then try and keep those paddocks as close as possible um together so it's easier to manage them and realistically it is not going to work every time and there will be a higher uh, there is a higher rate of failure with oversowing i think being able to accept that that, that it's not everything is going to work perfectly um but giving it the best chance possible and getting those things right when you have an awful lot else going on in the farm and that's just trying to keep everything as simple as possible and to you jim if we talk, think about the management that that michael has spoken about you know, essentially in the main grazing season, you're targeting a cover of 14, 1500 and you're essentially short circuiting your rotation where you are going into these uh, paddocks that have new clover established at 1100. So, I mean, to you, what are the key drivers of success um, in the paddocks that you've oversown last year with particular emphasis on your management? I suppose, uh, like, as you were asking that question, there's only one thing coming to my mind, and that's having been on pasture base and walking the farm every five days and following the numbers, following the covers that you have and this, you, you following the, the, the plan that's on your... So without knowing your cover, without knowing your rotation and your, your, your plan, your... Um, planner on the pasture is I don't know how you could do it and look at if it's only a hand two or three paddocks that you have identified this year that is less than 10% it's best to get that 10% right rather than doing too much and getting a higher rate of failure um, 
on that because of the issues not or the positive the criteria not being met. So like whatever is 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 right this year, do it as long as it's no more than 15% and then get more paddocks ready next year then to to oversaw. And and look at part of this is going to be a receding protocol as well. So like we're saying up to 10% receding in a year and between 15 and 20% oversown in a year. So in any one year, uh, all going well, you could have somewhere between 25 and 30% of your farm uh, sown with clover. Now, not all of that will work, particularly on the oversown point of sight, um, but having a clear plan in place over a multiple number of years. And, and Jim, um, Michael has pointed to the fact that we can, you know, do up to 25, 30% of the farm per year. Like to you, what level of clover have you on the farm right now? And you mentioned the importance of the plan and making the decision to go and establish white clover. So what is the plan over the coming years for your farm? Well, we've, um, we have we started last year with 11, 11 hectares of our 67 um, of a Michigan platform. But Look, going back on it, we had clover um, on some paddocks um, that were sown 10, 15 years ago. And uh, they've come back in, they've, they've persisted away. And with the grazing management that we had, aggressive grazing in the springtime and um, a long season grazing, those have held over the years and have increased a lot in the last number of years. So I think we're up to 30, 35%. Um, yeah, I'm actually just looking at it here, Jim. So I've been- Jim's farm earlier on this week or late last week, one or the other, and it was 35, 32% of Jim's farm currently has clover. Uh, last year, um, he averaged on that 32%, he averaged uh, 19% clover content. And in the spring to date, he has just shy of 15% to date. And that's just in, in March. So, which is a very good position to be in, to be able to reduce fertilizer on some of those paddocks in uh, for the, from May onwards. Yeah. So look at it, Emma Louise, when you say, I hope that we can get clover in. If we can repeat what we had um, last year, again, this year, and another two years after that, we'll, we'll be up to a very high percentage. But um, look, I, I just to go back on it, um, you know, if you're, you know, if you're waiting, if you're not grazing aggressively in the springtime, and I use that word aggressively, um, get and having your covers right going out grazing, um, is clover going to work like? Is like clover, clover doesn't want big fields of grass um, around the farm um, in April. It, it wants to place floor to coming into April, I think. Um, like there might be a little bit of clover in where you have it, you might be able to increase that, but if if you're not gray on a grazing plan in the first place for grass, I've, I, I, you know, it's just my, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I find it very hard to know how clover is going to fit into um, a system that isn't being grazed aggressively in the first place. And looking at that 32% of the farm, Jim, where you have a good level of white clover, are you doing anything differently in terms of your fertilizer application when you compare it to your swords that have just the perennial ryegrass only? Yeah, like we say, our farm is kind of split in two with a road. So traditionally, all, all going back over the years, we always grazed strongly at the milk and parlor side of the road of the farm. And uh, we didn't cut them for silage and um, we got our silage requirements elsewhere. So th- those ones and... Look, we didn't want to be cutting bales. There were no great, you know, there. while well, we use a little bit of them, there's no great requirement for a huge amount of bales around the place. So we were judicious over the years with fertilizer during the summer. And I think that has 
that has um, that has helped the clover get going on those paddocks over the years. And um, now it's there. And, and uh, we really intend pushing pushing this clover um, from what I understand from Mike and all the other researchers. Um, you know, we have to make this clover work itself. And uh, we're going to, you know, we have a, a, a contractor that comes in for spreading the fertilizer with a GPS system. So we can we can cut that down precisely to exact, you know, and so we're, our plan is to, to, to cut it, cut the fertilizer um, and let the clover do what it's, it's meant to do. And Mike, could you put some numbers on it, like where there is a, a, a good level 20, 25% white clover in swords, like what is the fertilizer application for the year? Like what is, what can you spread in order to grow, um, you know, this, a similar amount of grass than you would with your perennial ryegrass swords? Yeah, so I, I think what, what Jim said there, it's important that, number one, you have to have the right level of clover in your swords. Because if you go and reduce level, your, your fertilizer level with having very low levels of clover or none, uh, you are going to run into issues with grass quality and reduce grass growth. So I think picking the paddocks again, once you have gone through the establishment phase and look, Jim is in a lucky position and some of the other farmers that we're working with as well, that they have a, a percentage of the farm that now has reasonable levels of clover that is going to allow them to reduce clover contents. And I think it's it's paddocks that hit those that close to 15 to 20% in early April that you can now identify for reduced fertilizer rates on from May onwards. Uh, and all the work that we've done here with Deirdre Hennessy in Moorpark and, and Brian McCarthy in Clonakilty uh, would show that we can get down to nine and 10 kilos of nitrogen per month uh, when we have that kind of 20, 25% clover content in this ward. Um, so it's not going with zero level of fertilizer. It is going with um, a little less than half per month than what we would typically have gone with. So if you're usually working at 0.8 or one unit of nitrogen per day per month, per, across the main season, we're bringing that back down to 0.4 and 0.5 unit a day and 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 you know again you both have emphasized the importance of soil fertility you know pre um establishing white clover but Mike, talk through i suppose the requirements for pk and lime you know in that uh post-so period is the requirement to spread compounds also or is are they sufficient in the soil the soil pH is, is critical for nodulation. And if we don't have the correct soil pH of, of a 6.3 to 6.5 and ideally 6.5, we're going to reduce the level of, of nodulation and, and rhizobial bacteria, which is the main uh, mechanics for nitrogen fixation. So again, we must have that 6.5 and 6.3 to 6.5 soil pH at all times and maintaining it in those wards. Uh, and that's by maintaining it, topping it up. In terms of uh, P is very important for establishment. So again, that's why having the correct soil fertility and if, if an allowance available, sowing it with a pea compound fertilizer at time of sowing, whether it's over-sowing or reseeding. Uh, and then K is long-term persistence in this ward. So it maintains stolon development and stolon production. Look, we're going to get a lot of this from, from using slurry and particularly with low emission slurry spreading, we're going to get higher uptake of P and K from slurry on the milking platform. But there is requirements of maintaining that P and K levels in index threes and fours. Uh, across the main grazing season and that will will involve spreading some level of compound uh, particularly in early part of the year um kind of april may march april may uh, early june period so we can get that st stall on development when we really need it and nodulation for the second part of the year to increase nitrification 
Clover fixes nitrogen relatively quick or starts to develop root nodules and that's relatively quick after it's sown, but it doesn't actually release that nitrogen into the soil for the companion grass species for between eight and 12 months. So we don't get a whole lot of benefit of having the clover in the sward in terms of for the companion grass species in terms of nitrogen fixation. So we still need some level of nitrogen in the, in the, the sward in the first year post sowing. So the, what we have said in our protocol with our farms and Jim and the rest of them as well is once we over sow, we're reducing our level of nitrogen for two to three, for two rotations or for two months, that's probably three rotations. Um, and we're bringing it back down to 15 kilos per month. So we're going a half rate for those first two months post sowing. So if you oversaw on the 1st of April, uh, you're going with a half rate of nitrogen for April and May and, and er into early June. And then we're going back to normal levels of nitrogen fertilizer as you would do in a grass only sport because we still need to maintain high levels of grass production, herbage production. And once we come to the following spring then on those paddocks, once they have adequate levels of clover, then we can start to reduce levels of chemical fertilizer when they're eight to 12 months established. And that's when they will start to release the nitrogen from the root nodules into the soil so the companion grass species can then use it and take it up. And Mike, people can see more at the oversowing events that are taking place nationally in the coming weeks. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so look, as, as part of this on-farm study, we have a total of 35 farms last year. We're increasing that this year, hopefully, um, that we're establishing clover on these farms over a four to five year period from that blueprint that we're talking about, that kind of uh, 15 to 25% per year. Um, and, and as part of this program, we're, we're organizing a series of clover farm events um, starting in the, the 5th of April, running until the 19th of April. Um, on 12 farms across the country to try and, and showcase best management practices on establishing uh, grass clover swords on what these farms have actually done in the last 12 months um, and what their plan is going forward then with more establishment. So the two walks that we're having two walks a day, all walks are starting at 11 a.m. Um, they're available on the Chagas website and all social media. I think they're in the Journal and Independent and Agriland this week as well. Um, but there are two walks starting on the 5th of April and we have on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday of next week, the 5th, 6th and 7th of April. And then the following Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, 12th, 13th and 14th of April. And there's one other walk then on the 19th of April in Sligo. Uh, and all details are available on it. And Jim, if anyone wants to come and see Jim's farm, it's on the 7th of April in, in County Tipperary. And the details, uh, air codes and all speakers of the events are on the website. As you say, Mike, people can look to their, um, I suppose, regional and local farm on the Chagas website. Thank you, Jim and Mike, for the great insight into your experiences of oversowing white clover on your farm. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, Jim. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.